Welcome to the Marcus Oldham College Ag Talk podcast. This series of podcasts focuses on business management of Australian farms. G'day, my name is David Cornish. I am the director for the Centre for the Study of Agribusiness at Marcus Oldham College, an independent tertiary institution that has been producing the next generation of Australian farm managers for over 50 years. The focus of the podcast is to look at the question, what makes farmers successful? Is it just luck? Or do good farmers make their own luck through hard work and utilising good business decision-making processes? I hope you enjoy the discussions. In part one of our podcast series on succession planning, we focused on the many different aspects of working in a family business that we need to consider if we're going to achieve the best possible transition between the generations. Today, I want to focus on some of the tools we can use to assist us in achieving this. Once again, I'm joined by Jeanette Long from Ag Consulting Co. to work through this toolbox with me. Welcome, Jeanette. Nice to be here again. Jeanette, I suppose the best place to start, as they say, is at the beginning. I have the family all geared up to tackle the issue. What are some of the things we should consider in kicking off the process to minimise the likelihood of it all going pear-shaped on me? Okay, so one of the things I think is the most important if everyone's on board ready to roll is that you have an independent facilitator that you work with to run through the sessions. So rather than getting your accountant or your lawyer, and I think I said last time, some accountants and lawyers are good at this, but many aren't. We've got to focus in on what are the key skills and core skills of the person that we need. So to me, it is about having someone who's completely independent to the business, doesn't have alliances that will run the sessions for you. So finding that person is probably one of the, isn't always easy, but let's find someone who can come in and facilitate for us. And I think that's a really important point. And I just want to, again, think about this facilitation. Um, We talk about facilitation, but uh, having been involved in it, I I know it's it's a set of skills that are quite unique and, I found myself personally when I tried to do facilitation, I wasn't, I wasn't the best for it because I was trained to come up with solutions. If you know what I mean, that's what that's what accountants and bankers do. We come up with solutions, but facilitation is a really interesting skill. Do you want to just elaborate what makes a good facilitator in your mind? Yeah. So facilitation is a process to achieve an outcome. It's not about content. So if I'm going in and working as a facilitator, and in this case with the farm family, I'll design a process to get them to achieve the outcome, which is having the discussion, reaching some agreements, reaching some goals. But how they go about it and what they choose to do isn't for me to guide. What's for me to guide is to make sure they have the conversations that they need to have and we deal with the emotion that comes up as we go through the process. So I see myself as being someone who's very good at asking the questions, and sometimes they're the hard questions to get people having the conversations that they really need to have. But it must be hard sometimes. Again, this is why I found it hard, frustrating that I could see maybe the road they were going down, can I put it this way, wasn't the best road, And, and, and your ability to actually hold back and not not jump the gun and sort of say, well, listen, that's just a silly idea. You should be thinking about X or Y or, or, or David over there has the best idea. Why aren't you following him? I suppose it's, you know, it's not only about the problem solving, it's also ensuring that everyone at that table feels 
involved in the in, in, in the solution. Yes, it's critical that everybody walks out of there feeling like that's their plan and they are all on board with the plan. Now, we're not always going to have achieved the outcome that we want. We, you know, there's always going to be give and take in this transition process. But if we all feel that we're part of the solution, we're a lot more likely to follow through with it than start bucking the system as we go, which is where we end up with problems. So it can take time. Dave, you can't, to me, it doesn't happen in one session. So thinking you can get a facilitator in and work through this in one day is not a good idea. We become totally exhausted mentally because we're making such big decisions and then they become can become bad decisions. So, you know, I think you need to allow at least three or four sessions to work through it. And some of those sessions, you may feel a bit like you're going around in circles because they are about brainstorming options. And I normally send families away with some homework to do. So we might talk about possible ways of separating land or machinery, and but the accountant, if the accountant's not there, and sometimes the accountant gets involved all the way through and sometimes they don't, but there's usually some homework that has to be done. We've got to check things out, see what's possible, and, and people invariably go away and do some thinking about it and then come back with some new ideas that need to be thrown on the table. So it does take time. So I just can't do this between crutching and morning tea, mate. No, sorry, you can't. <laughs> I think, I think um, one of the issues that you raised in the last podcast was this concept around where you do it. And, and, and I think it might be underestimated the importance of what you, you said then. So just want to just uh, reiterate that because I think it's a really critical, critical point. Is I always encourage families to get outside of their home, their family business, and do transition somewhere else. So, and it's got to be somewhere private where you're not going to be interrupted. So, it could I've done it in council chambers, um, in private rooms, in hotels, even like football club rooms. But so it must be somewhere private. It must be somewhere you're not going to be interrupted. If we run it in the family home. Number one, we can get interrupted by employees, by truck drivers dropping things off, picking things up, telephones ringing. You know what it's like when we're home in the business. Um, and the other reason I like to get outside of the home is about behaviour. If we get out of our farm clothes and we turn up to a meeting that's professionally run, we're more likely to behave like adults than find ourselves behaving like the 10 year old child sitting at the table in the spot where I always sat when I was growing up. So it just helps us mentally to behave as a group of professionals having a discussion rather than yeah, slipping into our normal family traditional roles that we all have. So again, so let's say we've all agreed and I think the important thing is when I say we, the family, have agreed that you are the, the appropriate person and I, you know, it's not about I think it's important that it's not just one person saying, well, we're going to get Jeanette along. We need to make everyone agree on that. Would that be a fair call, Jeanette? Yes, it's much easier if everyone agrees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so did you, I mean, do we just rock up or do uh, to the to the footy club and sit around or do you, is there value in sort of, is it pre-work or, or how, do, how, do we, how do we do this? So normally the way I do it is I send out a goal setting sheet for everybody. So prior to coming, I like them to have completed that and sent it back to me. And 
in that there's, I want them to think about their personal goals, short-term and long-term, their business, their goals for the business. So where they'd like to see the business, start to form their vision statement, if you like, where is this business going? And also what they see their role in the business, short-term and long-term. So it depends a bit on the ages of the people who are at the table, what the time frame might be. But it's really important to stop and think about all of those goals first so that we can share them when we get together. If, if the family feel it's necessary, sometimes I have individual meetings with everybody prior to having a family meeting and other times we just go straight into the family meeting. So that's really driven by how people, what people think is necessary. And sometimes we've had to go the other way. We've started with the whole family and then had to go back to having some individual meetings. So, yeah. It's is, that the, because of, is that because of conflict or...? Uh, yes, it, it is. It's because people don't feel like they're being heard um, and they're perhaps not ready to put their issues on the table in front of everybody. So we come together, we start having a discussion and it becomes clear that there's quite a lot of stuff being withheld, then it might be a time that we flag to say, right, we need to have some individual chats and then come back together. So we can really dig deeper individually and work out what's going on for people. So we've filled out the, the paper, we've all sit down there and we've actually done a, a bloody good job of it. Um, and we're all now sitting around the table um, looking at each other. Where do we, what do we do now? <laughs> So, so normally the way, and, and not all facilitators do this, but I quite like to do a bit of an agreement of how we're going to work together as a group of people. Um, and the agenda tends to get designed a bit as we go along. So I tend to start with um, going around the room and getting everyone to share what's the most important thing for them to be addressed as part of this process. And that will vary depending on their age and stage within the business. So we collect all of those items up on I'm a great user of butcher's paper. We talk about how we're going to work together effectively as a family and, and set down some rules, I guess. I remember one family, they said no biting, pinching or scratching or something to that effect. <laughs> but punching was okay. <laughs> um, and, and from there, then we... Um, I like to do, I think I mentioned last time, a genogram, which is a bit of a family tree of... Um, who's in the family, how old they all are, where they fit. And, and we talk about how the property has come to be where it is. Because I think I said last time that helps to pick up patterns and also make sure that we're including the people that need to be included when we're working through this. And there's not some you know, silent family member popped off somewhere that no one's bothered to tell me about. From there, then we do go into the sharing the goal. So what is it we really all want to achieve from the business? So at that, that higher level thinking, but it is important and it's really important. People say, why am I sharing my personal goals? And, and I always say to them, well, you know, the farm is the, is the business that's got to be able to provide you with the, the money, if you like, to be able to achieve your personal goals. I've got a husband and a son who both fly aeroplanes. So oh, <laughs> it's got to make enough money to them for, them to, for them to have, have that hobby. What's the insurance like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How young's too young? Um, that's a good question. We started 
um, probably when our children were in their late teens, bringing them into our farm advisory board meetings. And probably the late teens is the earliest I have had them in. They probably at that stage really aren't sure on what their longer term goals are on what they want to achieve but it does help them it helps to introduce them to a good process of and they can start contributing so i would say from my experience you know they can they can start getting involved from their late teens and that's a really interesting because when you said uh, that not certain of the long term goals well i'm 56 i still don't know what i want to do um, but that doesn't mean that we can't sort of sit down and, and talk about goals, is it? I mean, you know, a goal, I can have a short-term goal, that might change, but at that stage, this is my goal. Is that sort of the thing that you try and um, encourage? Yes. It's the, it's the sharing of what they want to, what they want to do. Um, yeah. So, you know, if they are heading off to uni and the farm's got to support that, well, at least they're starting to get an understanding of, of how that's happening. And particularly if they want to return to the business, that's really starting to understand how it works and how it ticks. And even if they don't want to return to the business, it does also get in their, I guess, start to get in their perception and their view, what the longer term view is for the business. And we start thinking about it as a business rather than a lifestyle that we might like to be involved in, I guess. I suppose one of the things then is obviously what's going to come up is, is, is yes, there's going to be goals that we're, we're, we're aligned, but there's certainly going to be goals that probably potentially depending on where we are within our life, where we are with our family, where we are with our own careers, which are going to be diametrically opposed. What do we do there? Because, you know, do we just walk away at that stage and say, well, this ain't going to work? Or how do we, how do we facilitate that? Or what do you do, mate? <laughs> it's it's about I guess it's about transparency the more transparent we can be about what it is that we all want to achieve and where we want to go and where we want to take this business even if it is opposed if we all understand where people are we at least can make informed decisions if we're not it's when people hold stuff back and people don't share and then go off on tangents that we end up with businesses falling apart and families falling apart. You know, and if I start, I think I probably said last time, if I was asked, the, the, often ask um, the females in the businesses, they really want the, far, fa the harmony within the family and as well as the business longevity. So we, it's really how can we keep those two things going? And yet sometimes they, sometimes they don't agree and sometimes businesses have to be split, but it's a lot better that we um, are talking that through than we're fighting it through in court. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it, once you get the lawyers involved in that situation, I don't think too many people win, I would have thought. No, it just becomes really expensive and, and really emotionally exhausting and draining for people. Yeah. So we, 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 we've sat there, we've got our, we've got our goals listed where um, we've seen our short-term long goals obviously that's going to bring up some questions a around who from a personal perspective or who's doing what but also from a financial perspective wouldn't I imagine that you need to sit down and start doing some some homework at that stage yes yes absolutely and and that's where sometimes the accountant starts to become really important in this process as to what can the business afford particularly if you're going to start splitting farm businesses up. Fortunately, one of the things I'm starting to see is more people thinking, how can we keep this business together rather than how can we split it up? And certainly I would say that's 
that's a change that we're only probably seeing in the last, um, I don't know, five or so years. Up until then, it was very often very much, how can we build this business to a size that children can take their own chunk and then build their own? Whereas now with land prices like they are and the effort that it takes to build a profitable business, if we can come up with ways that we can keep it as one unit and run it more like a family corporate, we can, you know, hopefully the, 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 the pie is bigger for everybody. Well, again, the importance of scale, you know, it's interesting you say that because I, I often talk to some of my students who, again, back in the banking day, say, I can tell you there's people I don't get on with at the National Australia Bank that I work with, um, but I've got to work with them because we know that it's better for the business. Mm -hmm. Just because I don't like someone or I don't get on with them doesn't mean I then split up a perfectly good business, but appreciate it sort of things. And again, I think some of the financial scenarios have changed. It's not that easy to buy, or sorry, land is not getting cheaper. Can I put it that way? So if you want to get a viable operation, yeah, it's, it's not easy. Yeah, well, that's good. So again, so we do do our homework, we come back, and obviously at this stage, we're starting to formulate a plan, you know, whatever that plan might be, and the plan's starting to come together. We're probably at the stage now where we're, we're in, the, in the position where we can start making some agreements of, of where do we go forward. I suppose my concern is this. We have this meeting, we go through this process, we have the storming and norming, whatever, and we come out the other end and, and we all sort of shake our hands and walk away. How do we, how do we ensure that things that we've said or done or, or agreed to actually happen? What, what's some of your, your thoughts there, Jeanette? So, I guess what I've been doing is with a lot of families now is moving past that, taking that succession approach and building, as I think I said last time, building transition into a strategic plan. So we end up, we'll come out with a strategic plan for the business and one strategic goal is around transition. Another might be around business expansion. Another might be around machinery and you know, upgrading machinery. It doesn't matter what the strategic goals are. It's about making sure that transition and the people part of it is, is a key part of that. So I, I encourage families to start thinking about their business at different levels. So we have our operational tactical type meetings, which would happen on the farm. You know, it might be weekly or fortnightly. A lot of businesses call them their toolbox meetings, which is where we're doing the day-to-day, the -day, what's got to happen this week type activity. Then we might move up a level to a business meeting that might happen 10 times, 12 times. It might happen every month, which is where we're really looking at, you know, what are the bills that have got to be paid? What's happening at that sort of, you know, monthly business type level? Up to then going to the more strategic thinking where we might have an advisory board. And at the advisory board, we're really making the big decisions. And, you know, and I particularly encourage too the younger people coming into the business to learn how to put together a business case. So if they think that we should be upgrading the bar from a 40 foot to a 60 foot or an 80 foot bar or whatever it might be, until what discussions happen here, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> that the, you know, that the business plan is put together and because it encourage, it's teaching, give them a simple process to follow, but it's encouraging them to think through, well, it's not just the bar, but we've got to upgrade the tractor. And then, you know, the flow on effects of all of those decisions that happen. And that can be put to the advisory board where we're thinking about the strategic plan, we're being guided by the strategic plan, and it's that higher level. 
And often it's good for advisory boards to have an independent chair. So we're bringing in somebody from outside the business who helps us work through some of the decisions that we need to be making and can throw some insight into, you know, I know our, our chair often throws insight into his views of, around finance and because he comes from that background and interest rates and you know some of the longer term investment views so that it keeps us thinking more broadly than we do in our own little world and the final level that you could have if you wanted to is what we could call a family council which is where you have a meeting once a year if you were in the corporate world you might call it a share a shareholders meeting some of them may or may not be shareholders, but it's keeping everyone in that family unit across what's happening in the business. And that meeting can be a one day event, nice lunch, let's get together, let's check in with the business, check in, do a strategic review, do a financial overview. And it's where the probably the entry and exit decisions are made. The advisory board would put together the strategic plan, but then they could take it for review, I guess, to the family council to get their ideas. So if there's a complete change in direction for some reason in the business, and by that I mean, you know, we've we've actually gone through that in our business, sold a fourth generation business and shifted from one peninsula to another, that's where some of that higher level thinking and big strategic change can be put to a broader group of people who may not, they may not even be investors at this point, but they are people who are affected by the decisions that are made within the business. But it sounds, uh, are we making it too bureaucratic, you reckon? Uh, you know, all these boards, or, I mean, why would we, why would we worry about all these things? Surely as I'm managing this operation, I know what I'm doing. I've, I've been doing this for 40 years. Why, why would I spend my time having to get my work checked by someone? <laughs> that's a good question. And that's the question that a lot of, a lot of farmers say. And, and to me, I guess it's, it's about inclusiveness. So if, and it's also about professionalism within our business. You know, we're running multi-million dollar businesses as a lifestyle. So perhaps we need to shift our thinking a bit and see what we can learn from some of the corporate businesses that work well. And I'm not saying we need to take all of those approaches, but let's start picking off the ones that work for us and thinking how we can professionalise our business. So the businesses, farming businesses that I see that are going really well, and I'm fortunate to work with a few of them, and one of them has actually set up these, these levels and has their family council, and I facilitate their family council meeting once a year. And, it, and it's really great to see the level of thinking of the young people in that business, particularly around things like entry and exit agreements. And, and if someone wanted to pull out how they would go, how they would work through it. So, you know, I just think we need to professionalise, Dave, and, and, and recognise that work isn't just sitting on a tractor. John Deere, please, not just a tractor. <laughs> Um, so what, what I'm hearing is that we, 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 we're trying to make it very transparent and, and, and written down the process about, you talk about this concept around exit and entry. And so it's not just about what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, but how we as a family will engage in this business so that not only I know what I'm going to do, but certainly the rest of the family 
understand their roles and responsibilities and 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 everyone knows where everyone else is standing on and, and basically what you're saying with these family meetings we're doing that sort of 12 monthly as an example yes and i think if we got into the habit of doing those sorts of meetings 12 monthly it would take a lot of the stress out of transition because we'd be updating and going through you know where this particular family i work with they check in with each other's goals every 12 months to see whether there's something significant has changed for people and in that family Family, there has been significant some significant challenges and changes so by checking in with each other we all know where each other are and particularly when you get to the point where you've got cousins working together it's really important that we clear and transparent and and stop thinking about this as a family we are now have to think about it as it's it is a business so what do we need to put in place to make this business work well the cracking thing I like about it, I think, is it, it sort of differentiates decision-making. In other words, when we're working on the farm, when we're doing that, we're, we're focused, we're, you know, we're basically an employee working on the farm and our job is to get the operational or the, the tactical stuff done. There's a space for that strategic or family issues, which I don't need to bring every day I come to work and wonder whether it's ever going to be dealt with. And to me, I've seen that in the situations where that happens, that happens, nothing done, and and then it finally blows up where the, where, where the catching pen and it's shearing is used as a boxing ring between two brothers, you know, because they just don't have that, as you say, transparency to have those discussions. Yes, you haven't got the avenue to put the stuff on the table that needs to be worked through. And I think one of the things that you mentioned earlier too, Dave, about the fact that we don't always like the people we work with, about recognising the skills that people bring to the business and, and we can't, unfortunately, we can't always choose, we can't choose our siblings and we are in lots of cases working with our siblings. So we need to really think about how we put in boundaries and what they are and what the job descriptions are and how we can really work to our strengths to make businesses successful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I just think by having better process, we can do that. The other really good thing about having an independent chair is that there's that independent person that everybody can get on the phone and have a chat with about what's going on for them within a business so that the conversations that need to be had can be had. Is there any legal issues around an advisory board? I mean, you know, you said you've got a, a, an independent chair. Are they legally bound by any... Um corporate law or anything with regards to um, what they say and what they do? That's a good question and it's one, one that families should think about and check out. We have an agreement with our chair. He, he's there as an independent facilitator. He's not there to make decisions. We're the ones that make the decisions. He's there to assist us in the decision making and make sure that we're making the decisions that work for all of us. He asks lots of hard questions, which I really appreciate. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's not the decisions we make, he is not liable for. So that is important in, in thinking about the agreement that you make with the chair, their role. And having, I encourage families to have a constitution. I really also encourage families to spend time thinking about the culture of the business and how they want the business to be. So if, if I was a new employee working into, walking on, to the, onto your farm, into your family business, and I could say, what's it like to work around here? I want that to be a culture by design, not a culture by default. 
So let's stop and think about values and therefore what does the value mean and what is the behaviour that we will see as a result of that value. What's this constitution you hear talk of? It's, it's really, when I talk about constitution, it's just really an agreement or, or a list of rules, if you like. Like you have in any, 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 you know, you go and join the football club and the football club has a constitution, which is a framework for how they make decisions and a framework for how they work together. So a family constitution is much the same thing. It's just an agreement of this is how we're going to work together as a family and, and here are the boundaries. Here are, the, here are the, the rules that we all agree to. Can you give us some examples, just you know, practical you know, examples of what, what you mean by that? So is it, is it the way that I, I mean, obviously it's not the way I dress, it's, it's the way that we talk to each other. I mean, or is it the way, what type of things do you put in a constitution? Um, from the way we talk together, way that we talk to each other, I'd say that's part of the culture. And I like, as I said, to get families to do agree on their values and therefore what they mean and what, how they'll behave. So a lot of the how we talk to each other will end up being part of that, that culture discussion. Probably in the constitution, it's more about what level of decision can be made you know, at the toolbox meeting compared to the levels of decisions that might be made at the strategic or the, the advisory board type meeting. So, so and, and thinking about, it might be, you might have in your constitution that if somebody wants to purchase the block next door, this is the process they need to go through. They need to put together the paper that comes to the board. It's really about the how we will do things at the board table, I guess. Does that help? Well, yeah, absolutely. No, that's good. So it's sort of like looking at decisions that we might make and then the process by which we might deal with that decision issue or, or decision if we need to, yeah. uh, and how we actually handle that. And again, I suppose just like in, a, in, in any business, you're making that the decision-making pr process quite transparent. It's not just that dad's going to be making all the decisions whether he likes it or not and how he makes that. It's, it's, it's totally up to, up to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And by having an independent chair, it makes sure that everyone's view is heard. So, you know, even you might, you might have just come home into the business, but an independent chair should be asking you all of the, you know, to be part of that process. And, and how does, how do you think and feel about that? Um, whatever the decision might be. I suppose another interesting issue, Jeanette, on, on, on personal development too. Have you noticed within yourselves personal development in, in having this structure in place about my, about how you go about running the business? I, it, I think it's been really, for us, it's been invaluable, David. I, I would not go away from having our farm advisory board. It, it, for, me, for me personally, it provides the opportunity to have those challenging conversations with somebody else somebody else that's going to ask the questions that I think need to be asked. <laughs> so, so um, and it does make us more structured and more formal in some of what we do. So it makes us check in against our budget more often than perhaps we might. It makes us get reporting and just do those check-ins on where are we up to with our grain marketing for the year? Where are we up to against our strategic plan? We've now got a strategic plan in place because of that process. So it's, you know, it's, it's been, uh, to me, it's been invaluable. The word accountability is coming to, to my yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the word. It makes us accountable. And in, in 
family farming businesses, it's very easy just to do the operational stuff and not be accountable um, at much at all, really, except to providing information to their tax office or the, or the bank manager. Mate, and I think that's, again, that's in all small business. I know with my own consulting business, when I was working on my own, I, you know, I'd put together a plan and then that would go in the, in the, in the top shelf because I wasn't accountable to that except to myself. So that discipline of actually having someone there, just as, I mean, almost as a coach, just to say, listen, mate, you better have a look at this and then what are you going to do and putting actions into place and then trickling that down into the business. So here's strategically what we're going to do. What's it going to look like tactically and then operationally, this is how we're going to make it happen. Sort of, I like that thinking you've got around basically how we actually move the business on and how that then gets transparent down to operational, operational decisions that we all make on a day-by-day -day basis. Rather than, I've seen a lot of farms, it's actually the other way. And we sort of yeah. fit, fit yeah. the direction in based what happens today or tomorrow or, you know, why can we do that? And again, I suppose the issue I throw that would always get with the, the strategic thinking, well, David, what's the point? We've got droughts, you know, I've got no control over the environment that I work in. But that doesn't seem to have—is that affected your decision making or? Well, I was just—I was going to add as we were having that conversation, the thought popped into my head that the last three seasons for us have been pretty challenging, and having that external person that you can use as a sounding board, and at times go, you know, things are not good. That it—it's—and when you when you things are not good and we're feeling stressed we don't make good decisions and often we don't make any decisions. So where decisions should be made, we get we revert to responsive behaviour instead of thinking logically. So having that external person to poke you at the right time and pull you together as a family when things are not going to plan is also a really valuable tool because we all know that when we're stressed, our behaviour isn't as good as it should be. And so a whole family of stressed people in drought are not going to be making the most effective decisions they could be. So getting off farm, having an independent facilitator again to help work through some of those tough issues can be really beneficial. And the other thing I think is that we can get caught up in thinking about all those things we can't control and have no plan. And I've seen plenty of farmers say, well, what's the point of doing a budget or what's the point of having a plan? Because I can't, I don't know what the seasons are going to do. Let's think longer term than that. Let's start really thinking, most farms want to be generational. So let's think generational and think long term through cycles and how we're going to manage and where we want to be and expect that we're going to have ups and downs of seasons and marketing along the way, but we've got that view of where we want to go. If we've got the longest term view of where we want to go, when we go through the tough times, it's easier for us, for somebody to help us lift our head and go, right, remember, this is where we agreed we were going and what do we need to do now, even though things are really tough and tight, to help us move to where towards where we're going or what do we need to press hold on right now you know to help through that process so you know it's just it's part of that longer term view to me Jeanette I think again that's I think we've covered a lot today and, and that's been fantastic and certainly given me a lot of food for thought any last comments you want to add to you know things that we should think about when we're starting to enter this 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 transitional strategy thinking 
process? I, I just say, people, you know, really think about the size and value of your business. And if you are in that position that you want to be intergenerational, you want to continue to see it grow, then we've got to really lift our heads and start thinking about what we can learn from other businesses and other corporates and integrating some of that strategic, as you mentioned before, you know, the real strategy down to a tactical level. And remember to involve all of the family where appropriate so that they're all understanding what your longer term goals are and where you're taking the business. The more transparent you can be, and I know it's scary, but the more transparent you can be, the less chance you are of ending up in court or having wills contested or the business split up. So, yeah, be open and give it a go. Jeanette, thank you very much for that. I've thoroughly enjoyed our sessions. Thank you for all your information. And yeah, no, it's certainly given me a lot of food for thought. I better get my succession plan in place. <laughs> Good luck. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to this week's Marcus Ag Talk podcast. Please, any feedback on the series would be greatly appreciated. You can either leave a message on the site or email me at cornish at marcusodham.vic.edu.au. Stay tuned to next week's podcast as we continue to explore farm management from an Australian perspective.